Tonight I'll be preaching from the book of 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. And uh, I'll read from verse 1 to verse number 4, but uh, focus tonight will be verse number 4. 1 John chapter 5. And verse number 1, the Bible says, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth him that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Let us pray. Father, thank you so much for the wonderful privilege that you've given us once again tonight to gather in your house and to hear from you. I pray that you would use your word as you do time and time again to speak to our hearts and to challenge us, to draw us to a closer relationship with you. Thank you for your precious word and how it does wonders in our hearts and in our lives to make us more like you. Pray that you would give me the words you'll have me to say tonight. I pray that you would cleanse me of sin, empty me of self, fill me with your precious Holy Spirit. I pray that these words will not be my words, but they'll be your words, and that they would find a lodging place in each and every heart. And if there's someone under the sound of my voice who does not know you as personal Lord and Savior, may tonight be the night that that one says yes to you. I pray that you would stir the heart of every believer. And we'll be careful to thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You will be seated. Advances in technology have led to changes in a lot of our processes and our procedures. And I'm sure you could think of many, many different examples of where technology has changed really the way in which we do things. One example that I, I could think of is the way in which we travel. Prior to technology, those of you who are old enough, you would remember the days when on your way to the airport, you would have to make sure you have your passport and your ticket. You had to have that paper ticket with you or else you weren't going to be able to board that aircraft. Now we live in a day of technology and electronic tickets and you don't have to go to the airport with a ticket. You just show up, show your ID and they pull up your record and know whether your ticket is purchased or not. And even as you travel to certain countries these days, you don't even have to fill out these immigration forms in certain instances. You just go through the immigration line and a camera scans your face and takes your picture. And through technology, the immigration officer is able to pull up all the details about your life. And you ask yourself, well, why are they asking me all these questions? 
They're not asking you those questions for information. They already have all the information. They're asking the questions to see whether or not you are a truth teller or you're a teller of lies. Because they have all the details there. They have the evidence of who you are. They're just trying to find out the evidence of whether you tell the truth. Evidence is something that we cannot run away from. The need for it is everywhere. Do you know that even when you punch that passcode or that password into your phone or into your computer, what you're really doing, you are providing evidence to an application or to your device that you are indeed the person who ought to be using that device. The evidence is to demonstrate that you are who you say you are. Evidence is so vitally important. Proof. And in the book of 1 John, particularly in chapter 5, the writer of this epistle, of course, the apostle John, provides proofs, if you will. Evidence. Evidence of what? Evidence of a supernatural process that takes place in the life of a born-again believer. I'm glad I'm saved. Amen? Amen. And I'm glad that salvation is all of God. But the Apostle John here helps us to understand, not just in chapter 5, but all throughout this epistle, that when a person is saved by the grace of God, supernaturally, there are some evidences that show up in that believer's life that authenticate the fact that I am born again. We've examined the first evidence here for the last few weeks, and we'll continue in the verse here tonight that thank God that when you are born again by the Spirit of God, the first evidence is that there is conversion through the Savior. Thank God that when you are born again, God supernaturally transforms you. He converts you. In other words, he changes you from the inside out. That's why it's called conversion. That's why when you are born again, you are referred to as a convert. A change takes place. Amen? That's an evidence. That's a proof of what has taken place. And it happens through the Lord Jesus Christ. Placing my faith and my trust in him. We saw in verse number one that this is a decision that is personal. My friend, you must make it for yourself. The decision to place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, no one else can make it for you but you. It's a decision that's personal. But make no mistake about it. The transformation that takes place is a divine process. It is a work of God. We saw as well that there is devotion that is past. What do we mean by that? In verse number one, he says, Everyone that loveth him, that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. In other words, when you love God the Father, you're going to love God the Son. When you love God the Son, you're going to love God the Father. 
we saw in verse number two that there's a definitive proof. There's definite proof. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and do what? Keep his commandments. Proof. We saw last week in verse number three that this thing of salvation, of conversion, my friend, it is a desirable practice. It is good to serve God. It is good to be saved. It is good to know God personally. It's desirable. He says, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. My friend, when God saved you, when God saved me, listen, we got the best end of the deal. It's a desirable practice. But tonight I want us to focus on verse number four and I want you to notice one of the benefits of salvation, of this conversion, my friend, is access to dynamic power. Look at this verse. Look at what John says. He says, for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. My friend, when you got salvation, you got access to some power. This is not political power. This is not financial power. But this is supernatural power that's only available from the God of the universe. Dynamic power. Notice, in relation to this dynamic power, notice, first of all, there is some firm criteria. Notice what the first few words in this verse says. For whatsoever is what? Born of God. Here we have that reference once again. Whatsoever is born of God. My friend, whatsoever means that, that, that it's accessible. This power is available. But here's the thing that we must understand. Only some acquire it. He says whatsoever. There's a criteria that, that is about to be stated. And so he says, whatsoever, he's putting a qualifier on this thing. There's a criteria. There's a requirement. There's a prerequisite. And he's about to say, uh, to make the point that you can't have the other thing until you get this. I'm sure most of you, if you've, of course, if you've traveled, you're required to apply for a passport. And to acquire this passport requires that you have certain criteria that, make you, that makes you eligible to receive that passport. You need proof of birth. You might need proof of link to a parent who was born in that country. You may need a certificate of naturalization. 
These are indisputable pieces of evidence or documents that you must have if you're going to receive that passport. You're required to have pictures. You're required to have a stamp of someone who can certify these documents. These are very specific criteria and you can't get past not having them. They're mandatory. They're firm criteria. My friend, when it comes to being converted, when it comes to being changed, you cannot bypass being born of God. He says, whatsoever is born of God. He's about to say, like, here's there's some criteria that is required in order for you to have access to this dynamic power. Mark you, it is available, it is accessible, but you will not have it without the right criteria. This is what we know as the new birth. It's what gives way to the new man. The new woman. You know what I'm finding? And if you would observe, you would see this. And it's so prevalent in quote-unquote religion today. That many try to produce the new man without the new birth. It doesn't work. Many people want to reform themselves. They want to transform themselves. They want to change. But my friend, true change, true conversion takes place when God changes you on the inside out. That's why Jesus said to Nicodemus, he must be born again. Being born indicates that something new is being produced. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are past where behold, all things are become new. No matter how long you have been saved, remember that you are who you are in Christ. It is a work of God. Turn with me to that verse and that passage I just referenced in John's Gospel, chapter 3. I want you to see this very clearly. Because there are many false teachings and notions that exist regarding what it means to be a Christian. What it means to be born again. My friend, this is not a decision that you make when you wake up one morning and decide that you're going to be a Christian. Of course, you must make a decision to place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But when a person does that sincerely from the heart for the forgiveness of their sins, God does the changing. Look at verse number 5 of John's Gospel, chapter 3. It says, Jesus answered verily, speaking to Nicodemus, verily, 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 or truly, truly, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. 
That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. He's giving a contrast here between uh, what it means to be born physically as Nicodemus was a little confused. How can a man be born when he's old? He's saying, I'm, I'm speaking of spiritual things. He says, you must be born of the water and of the spirit. And but the water here is in reference to the word of God. My friend, when God's word, uh, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, when you hear God, word God uses that in conjunction with his Holy Spirit to provide conviction you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and God changes you look at Ephesians chapter 5 for a cross reference and you'll understand why Jesus said to Nicodemus you must be born of the water and of the spirit look at Ephesians chapter 5 and you'll understand the terminology that's being used here of water. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25. Look at what Jesus, what Apostle Paul rather writes here, and he's teaching on this matter of the church. And remember the church is not the building, but the church is the people. He says, husband, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Look at this. That he might sanctify, set it apart, and cleanse it with the what? Washing of water by the word. Look at where the change comes from. The word of God that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. My friend, if you're going to be changed, if you're going to be transformed, it's going to happen because of the word of God and of the spirit of God. Firm criteria. But notice secondly tonight, and this is the foundation. This is a platform for the dynamic power that's available through your salvation. Notice that John says, because of this firm criteria, and if you apply this firm criteria to your life, make no mistake about it. Note that there is a foregone conclusion. Look at what he says. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. My friend, what John is saying, listen, if God is involved, if God is involved in the transformation, you mark it down, you can count on victory. What he births overcomes that which is of the world. Whatever is born of God, my friend, it overcomes sin. There are times in sports where you're rooting for your team and you are confident of victory. Why? Because you know your team has the best players. Your team has the best person. The best squad. And so you're confident that you're going to win. Why? Because we got this person. We got that person. And we're going to beat you. 
Well, my friend, when we got God, who's going to be God? That's why a child of God, my friend, we can have peace. When we're going through difficult challenges. Why? Because when things look bleak, our champion has overcome the world. His name is Jesus Christ. First John chapter 4 and verse 4, just the chapter prior, speaks to this. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. My friend, whatever is born of God has victory marked all over it. That's why we don't fight for the victory. We fight from the victory. From a position of, of being uh, in, in control. From a position of knowing that God is in control. We can fight knowing that we have the victory. What a privilege. Knowing that you've already won. Death has been defeated. Satan has been conquered. When Jesus got up from the grave. It's a foregone conclusion. My friend, that's why we ought to walk around like we are winners. Not proud and arrogant, but from a place of quiet confidence that our God has already won the victory. He has overcome the world. My friend, that's why, and I'm not saying this, I'm not, as the young people would say, I'm not throwing any shade. But when you come to church, as bad as things are out in the world, man, you ought to find some happiness and joy in the house of God. Amen. Just from being around other people who have like faith, knowing that, listen, we are on the winning side. Amen. I mean, it's sad that some people can't even laugh when this song says, ha, 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 ha. That's what this song is saying. It's a foregone conclusion. As bleak as things are, this is the worst that it can get. It's a foregone conclusion. But notice finally, and very importantly, while it is a foregone conclusion that whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world, Note very carefully that your faith is critical. Look back at verse number four. It says, this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our, what? Faith. Why is faith so important to this victory? Because faith is what allows you the privilege to be born of God. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. When you are converted, when you are born again, 
what makes you eligible for that supernatural miracle is placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Plus nothing, minus nothing. It's not our good works. It's not our church membership. It's not baptism. Listen, my friend, it is faith. That's why we sing that song that is so true and timely. Faith is the victory. And I, I, I examined those words in light of this passage as well. And I saw a cyclical relationship. Faith is the victory. But here's something else to note, and I've just alluded to it. Faith is not only the victory, but faith causes the victory. But here's how it gets cyclical, and I love this. Faith causes the victory, but we also have faith because of the victory. You listening to me? So when you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you have gotten the victory, but you experience victory and victory gives you more faith. God says, because you've believed in me, I'm going to cause you to experience the victory. And when you win, you have faith and confidence in God. And so you, you actually experience the blessing of faith. In other words, when you believe God, and he gives you faith. Faith is your victory. And exercising it is a blessing. What he's simply saying is that when you have faith, it's a blessing and it's victorious that you can have confidence in something that is real. You know why... I guess I'll say this. You know why in our island and maybe even in our country, but more so in our island that, and I'm speaking of Nevis, that people are so disillusioned and fed up with politics. Is because people have been disappointed over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. So they're fed up, tired, lack of confidence. But thank God we can have confidence in God. Amen? We can have faith. We can be victorious. And that victory can produce more faith because we see God work in a mighty special way. And we say, God, I believed you. I had faith in you. You gave me the victory. And I see that victory and that victory caused me to have more faith. Faith is the what? Victory. John says one of the benefits, the byproducts, of conversion to the Savior 
is that I have access to dynamic power. Power. And so when you go out there and feel like you're being beaten up by the world, remember that you have a spirit man that's what? Born of God. But I'm not going to experience that power unless I exercise what? Faith. Remember, faith is what got you that conversion in the first place. And that faith is what is necessary to keep you going. Faith is the victory.